Welcome to episode 8 of the With Ingram podcast series. I'm Philip Ingram, and today I'm talking to Barry Millett from the Wesleyan Society. Now, he's off to do something mad and has a Virgin Money giving page linked below. Please click on it. Warning, you might actually learn something. But as I said, I'm here with Barry Millett. Now, I'll let Barry introduce himself in a minute. Um, and he's doing something mad as well. I'll, I'll ask him about that in a second. Um, Barry, thank you for coming and talking to me on uh, the With Ingram podcast. I noticed we, um, we're in a lovely coffee shop, but we don't have any bacon. Oh, sorry. I, I know you love breakfast and everything, uh, Philip, but uh, it is midday uh, and I'm not hungry because I've had my overnight oats, which see me through until about two o'clock. So sorry about that. Maybe next time. Yeah, well, oats and bacon. We, we, we have this spat on Twitter every now and again about what, what, what's healthiest. It, it has to be bacon, but not every day. Um, oats is probably better, and I'd agree with that. My wife makes absolutely fantastic flapjacks, which are like your oats, but a little bit more solid, and, and, and they're brilliant. Now, before we get on to the substance of this, you're off to do a marathon, a London marathon. I'm not going to mention your age. I'll let you do that. Um, why? What is it you're doing? Well, I'm 56 at the end of this year, uh, call it a midlife crisis or whatever you want to call it. So as a former Royal Marine, done loads of endurance events, uh, I've done the South Downs 100k for uh, Gurkha Welfare Trust, I've done a 30 miler for Royal Marines charity in the past. But I've never done a marathon. I've never run a marathon. So I decided that's what I was going to do next year to keep me fit, give me a, 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 a goal to, to be able to work towards. And I thought, what can I do it for? So I thought I've done a lot of work for Crime Stoppers in the, in the past, um, really highlighting the fantastic partnership work that they're doing, uh, both with individuals and businesses. They've worked on some key projects for me when I was at uh, E.ON, metal theft and uh, energy fraud. Um, So I wanted to try and give something back to them, raise some money on my Just Giving page, but more importantly, I think, try and raise their profile as well, because a lot of the time, the good work that they do really doesn't get mentioned as much as it should do. No, the London Marathon is, is iconic. I, I've done it once, and that was in 2001. Um, the best tip I ever had was just coming up to Tower Bridge uh, um, by someone who'd run it a couple of times. He said, when you get around the corner, just slow down. Forget about personal best, forget about times, absorb the atmosphere in the crowds. And he was so right. Atmosphere is fantastic. You mentioned your Just Giving page. Um, so people are listening, how can they find it easily? I'll, I'll try and put a link underneath it in, in the podcast somewhere, but I have to work out how to do that yet. Yeah, I think if they just search uh, Barry Millett uh, on Just Giving, it'll uh, it'll come up and, and the link will take you directly through to the Crime Stoppers uh, uh, page for, for, for donations. Uh, I'm looking to achieve uh, their, their target of uh, 1,750, uh, 1, uh, which I hope we can smash. Uh, and I'd call on some of the corporate companies that utilise Crime Stoppers uh, uh, both now and in the past to try and help support that and let's hopefully try and get well above that uh, that target. No, fantastic cause. Now, you have been a security professional for many years since leaving the Royal Marines. So you're now with the Wesleyan Society. Can you tell us a little bit about the Wesleyan Society and what the particular challenges are you have um, on securing that particular business? Yes, yeah, so I'm Head of Operational Resilience for Wesleyan, which is a mutual finance organisation based in the centre of Birmingham. 
uh, rich in history, uh, having been formed in 1841. It provides tailored financial advice and products to selected professional groups, notably GPs, hospital doctors, dentists, teachers and lawyers, and a range of other professionals as well. Uh, and what are the security challenges that you... So the, the financial industry there, there continuously seems to be being attacked from various angles. It's, it's this big, rich target. Um, is everything cyber? Is everything physical? Is there crossover? What, what, what are you seeing as the man who's responsible? Yeah, I think it's a bit of everything, to be honest, Philip. And, and if you take the uh, Bank of England and the PRA's discussion paper on operational resilience, it links in all of those pillars in reality. So you can't just focus on one specific aspect. You've got to understand the, the threats to the financial sector as a whole, bring that closer to you as an organisation, and make sure that you're doing the right things to, to protect uh, your business, but ultimately your customers as, as well. And fundamentally, as long as you get the basics right, then you any organisation will be in a good good place. But are there any specific challenges that come in? I think you're, you're a data-heavy organisation. Has, has the new General Data Protection Regulation, uh, its impl uh, implementation, uh, made it more difficult for you to achieve what you need to? Has it made it easier because the board sits and listens to a piece of legislation? Or you know, are, there, are there specific challenges? I, th I think uh, GDPR has helped all organisations focus their minds a little bit more. Um, it's made sure that they're doing the fundamentals right, and that is protecting uh, cust customer data. And it's helped actually educate um, people throughout the organisation, whether it's the board or whether it's uh, the people that are processing that information. So I think regulation, legislation, whatever you want to call it, just helps you uh, as an organisation to make sure you're focusing in the right area and also that you're funding uh, programmes uh, to the right level as well. So you see this as a positive thing, it's not something that's disabling, it's, it's enabling better processes and procedures? No, absolutely. Uh, both GDPR, which you mentioned, but also, as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago, the operational resilience discussion paper from the regulators, which will come out as a consultation paper in October is really about just focusing on, their, on the basics and making sure all the pillars intertwine and you're fundamentally focusing on the right things. So it, it has to be a good thing, absolutely. And, and I've come from uh, other regulated industry as well, so energy sector that I worked at as, as well, uh, protecting critical national infrastructure. And again, having those frameworks in place that you're all working towards with a common goal it has to be the right thing to do. Now, I was going to talk to you about critical national infrastructure because um, having come from the, the energy sector into the financial sector, is there a crossover between the two? Absolutely, and uh, what a lot of organisations don't really understand is how much they rely on the critical national infrastructure. So when you're looking at your own resilience plans as an organisation, you have to look at your key suppliers and critical national infrastructure, whether it's energy, uh, water or, or, or uh, telecommunications, they're all key to organisations being able to operate. So there is that interconnectability that you have to be aware of. Now, with that interconnectability, um, the debate that's gone on in recent months um, and actually brought to the fore in the press today, and we're talking the 10th of October, um, is about um, foreign national involvement. Um, and there's been the Huawei 
issue with regard to 5G and the interconnectivity of that. Um, in the press today, there's been um, the expose of a, a supposed Russian unit designed to um, attack infrastructure in different countries, and that's been blamed on the Skripal attack and the, the, the potential coup in Montenegro and various other places. Is this scaremongering? You know, are nations actually looking at coming in and um, try, trying to influence what's going on in our critical national infrastructure? Should we be worried? I, I think uh, the, the interference, if you want to call that, of, of foreign nation states on, on business, critical national infrastructure worldwide, absolutely, it's been going on for years. Uh, the, cold, you know, the Cold War stopped, but they're... they're thirst to understand what we're doing, their thirst to understand uh, the challenges that we fa uh, face from uh, ageing infrastructure, the challenges we face on securing uh, those facilities. They want to understand what we're up to and, and, and if they can use some of uh, the good stuff, the really good stuff that we're doing to actually secure their area. So, you know, the Cold War stopped, but I think the thirst for foreign states to understand uh, our infrastructure, our possible vulnerabilities hasn't stopped with it. Uh, yes, I, I see evidence all the time of, I wouldn't call it the Cold War, but the, the slightly lukewarm war um, being something that's going on in the background, focusing on business, fo focusing on intellectual property, and, and some nations get a greater blame than others that's in there. But do you find that there's any one particular threat actor that um, was affecting your role in critical national infrastructure that's translated across into the financial industry, or you know, is, is there a mixture of different threat actors out there? I think I think there's a, a, a big mixture of, of threat actors out there, Philip. To be honest, and uh, I think there's also evidence out there where some of the techniques that the, uh, the the nation states have used has now morphed over into criminal gr crime gr gangs as well. So I think there's a there's a blurring of lines of what is pure state and what is organised crime, uh, and I think that organisations need to be aware that you know there are touch points right across different uh, business sectors and it's not just the big or big international organizations as organizations start to use uh, more and more third-party suppliers and some of those third-party suppliers aren't really small uh, medium-sized enterprises um, their focus is is to actually try and target the bigger organizations through that supply chain as well so the little guy is as important as the big guy that's providing you support and possibly more important because they're more vulnerable? Yeah, abs absolutely. And, and I think there is a recognition even at the police level that, um, and, and government level that as the larger organisations um, really, really fundamentally secure themselves and make themselves more resilient and difficult for to be targeted, then the focus will go on uh, on the smaller organisations. And the good work that um, the, the police are doing with the Police, police Digital Security Centre, uh, which has uh, started uh, uh, to evolve from London out into the, to the regions, has been set up fundamentally to support those smaller sized organisations, get themselves into a more secure environment and give them some resources that perhaps they wouldn't uh, have the funds to be able to, uh, to, to focus on. Now you mentioned the police um, and you talked about Crime Stoppers at the beginning. We're seeing an awful lot of very, very good stories coming out in the press at the moment where the National Crime Agency are 
um, intercepting a lot of organised crime gang activity and having real success in getting people um, charged and forward for prosecution. Um, do you see policing with the challenges that we hear about in the mainstream press where they don't have the resources to do what they're doing or are you seeing a change in the way policing is going on and, and actually there is real success that's not necessarily being um, reported properly or do you see that there, there are difficulties in some areas but not in others? What's, what's your view on the ability to deal with a lot of the threats and issues that are out there? Yeah, I think the, the police are under some inc incredible challenges, both from a, a, a cost-saving point of view, resourcing, and I know there's the, the, the desire to give them more more police officers on, on the beat. Uh, but what I do see is more collaborate, collaborative working, uh, whether that's informally uh, across uh, uh, police, police forces, um, collaboratively with uh, industry as a whole, and there has been some fantastic success levels uh, when they're focusing on uh, on key issues. So County Lines is a prime example in my home uh, county of Leicestershire where they've had some incredible wins over the last few months. Uh, and that's, you know, cross-border working, uh, cross-county lines working, working with uh, national police units uh, and the local police as well. But it's... It's, it's, it's like the, the old fourth road bridge, isn't it, uh, Philip, really, to be honest, because no matter, you know, as soon as they stop with one initiative, then they've got to start focusing on something else. So it's how do you get that built into the operating model of the police forces for the future? Because I think it has to change. Cooperation you brought in is, is really important, public-private cooperation. You chair the West Midlands CSSE board. Um, that's an area of cooperation uh, that, that there is. Can you give us a little bit of an insight as to what the CSSE is doing, what the particular challenges are that it, it's finding and, and in the West Midlands region? Yeah, CWSC was set up originally for the London 2012 games to make sure there was that interlink between the police forces and industry to both uh, identify and uh, manage the threats to London 2012. It was a huge success, so it carried on in London, um, and then uh, there's been a rollout nationally, um, and CWSC in the West Midlands was formed a year ago, um, and we have on the board, we have industry, we have local uh, police units uh, uh, as well, to work together and try and focus on, on local issues. Um, the challenge being, it, it, it is a, a charity in its own right, uh, everybody has a role, but it's it, it's an add-on to their to their day job. It's done free of charge, and it, it's all about individuals' passion for making a, di a difference uh, in our in our communities to keep them uh, safe and, and and secure. So, the biggest challenge is is getting enough time to actually focus on some really really good initiatives. Uh, as the chair for West Midlands, uh, I haven't done as much as I'd wanted to have, have done this this year. But we've we've got some key things to to drive forward uh, for the rest of this year, and now actually focus on uh, the Commonwealth Games that will be in uh, the the West Midlands in uh, 2022, I believe it is. So yeah, so some great work being done, uh, some good work to be done, but we've got to realise that this is. Um, a, a pro bono piece of work by everybody involved and, and I think sometimes people forget that. Yes and, and for those that don't know what CSSC is it's the cross-sector 
security and safety communications network that's out there taking reports that the police produce as ground truth and getting them out to industry and local businesses as quickly as possible so that they're not relying on what may be out there just on social media. There, there is a ground truth that they know has come from an authoritative source, isn't that right? No, ab- absolutely, and also in, in the event of a, of a significant in- incident, then opening up a bridge call with uh, the police that are running that incident to be able to make sure that the police can disseminate real information out to those businesses to, to hopefully help the police manage the event as well. Now, there are an awful lot of real challenges in dealing with security and the way society is going at the moment. Um, and international issues are affecting that as well with you know, what's going on in Syria and the potential terrorism that could, could come back to this country from there with what Brexit might throw. What are the big challenges you're seeing? And if you had a magic wand, how would you deal with them? It's just having clarity of what's going on, to be honest, and and, and the the whole issue of what's real news, what's fake news, and trying to second-guess uh, what the policymakers uh, are, are going to do it, it, it's it's you know it's challenging for business uh, just magnify that 50 100 times for police and, and other agencies that have got to deal with relationship building on the back of uh, politicians falling out uh, and, and understanding how they're going to be able to operate going forward as as well and I think business has a a, a lot to give um, going forward with the, with the police and, and other agencies uh, but I think there's got to be more trust built up and more willingness to, to collaborate and I think the biggest threat to society as a whole is the breakdown of that, that business police agency collaboration. Uh, we've got to develop that further uh, because uh, as I said the police have got a lot of challenges uh, both now and in the future. Um, there's a lot of issues with regards to both organised crime but also uh, crime gangs in and around the cities. I was reading an article uh, last week on uh, the different hotspots for knife crime, uh, which really, really impacts families and, in, and individuals as, as well. So the police are being pulled from pillar to post. Um, I think a lot of the chief constables really understand the need for collaborative working. Uh, but I don't think we've worked that through and how we can really do that. And I think some of the, the larger security organisations are still missing a trick in that, in that space. So I'm working this sort of thing through. Uh, I noticed that you're on the Advisory Council for the International Security Expo. How important are events such as that, and in particular the International Security Expo, um, to get improving that collaboration, talking? And as a high-end end user, what are you hoping to get out of it? Yeah, I, I think it, 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 events like that, when you've got uh, the Home Office, you've got uh, senior people from the police, when you've got senior people from overseas uh, agencies as well attending, having fireside chats, uh, doing some uh, some communications at those events, I think that almost gives permission for the local police uh, around it is okay to collaborate it is okay to talk about some of your challenges and a cha- uh, you know a problem shared is a, a problem halved so I, I think ISE fundamentally because of the personalities that are involved I think gives permission that it's okay to collaborate uh, and if it can be done at that sort of senior level then absolutely it should be done uh, at, a, at a local level for me as, a, as an end user 
uh, it's not just about seeing the the new uh, products and services that are that are out there. It's also talking to peers as well, and an event like that brings a lot of really good. Uh, network of, of peers together to be able to to look at the the products and services that are out there, the new thinking that's coming coming out, uh, the new innovation that's coming out. But it also gives a platform for us to talk together about the real issues that we're facing and try and work on some best practice that perhaps other people have implemented as as well. So you think over the the three days of of the event. It would take me years to be able to go round and talk to all of the people that, and the influencers that are there. So it, it, it is a no-brainer for me to, to attend that event, to, to be able to network with senior police, to be able to network with some really good innovation that's out there from a technology and process point of view, but also to network with my peers as well. Well, Barry, I think on, on that note, um, actually, that's a good place to stop. It's been a real fascination talking to you, and thank you for coming and um, getting me a coffee today. Thanks. Have a good one. Hey, folks, please don't forget to click on Barry's Virgin Money Giving page. The link is below. Thank you.